you turn in your Bibles to the book of 1 John, chapter number 3, we'll find that uh, John is writing to a group of Christians who are actually going through some very difficult things. And uh, it's a season in their, in their life, in the history of the church, where there's a lot of people suffering, a lot of folks uh, suffering. And so the theme of the book of 1 John repeatedly is you can believe, you can trust, you can believe, you can trust, you can keep having faith. And one of the famous verses from the book of 1 John is, it, it, it says, These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have everlasting life. And so in an effort to encourage God's people going through difficult seasons, we have this book of the Bible. And we're going to look today at a section beginning in verse number 18 of chapter 3, 1 John 3 and verse number 18. Today's message is titled this, Assure Your Heart. Assure Your Heart. I want to talk to you this morning about assurance of your salvation. I want to talk to you this morning about being assured of the goodness and faithfulness of God. I want to talk to you about how you can know that God is faithful. I want to talk to you about some things you can do to assure your heart and trust in the Lord. Assure your heart and trust in the Lord. If you'll look with me, beginning in God's Word here, 1 John 3, verse 18. The Bible says, My little children... Let us not love in word, neither in tongue, but in deed and in truth. Hereby we know that we are of the truth and shall assure our hearts before God, before Him. For if our heart condemn us, God is greater than our heart and knoweth all things. Beloved, if our heart condemn us not, then we have confidence toward God. And whatsoever we ask, we receive of Him. Because we keep his commandments and do those things that are pleasing in his sight. And this is his commandment. That we should believe on the name of his son, Jesus Christ. And love one another as he gave us commandment. And he that keepeth his commandments dwelleth in him and he in him. And hereby we know that he abideth in us by the spirit which he hath given us. Look what the Bible says in verse number 19. Hereby we know that we are of the truth and shall assure our hearts before him. Tonight, today's message is titled, Assure Your Heart. Assure Your Heart. I really, it's kind of funny. I didn't put it together until just a moment ago. I happened to think about last Sunday for just a moment. And last Sunday, I preached on Fix Your Heart. And uh, this Sunday, I'm preaching on Assure Your Heart, but I didn't plan it that way. But today's message is Assure Your Heart. I think that God wants you to know that you can trust Him. But we deal with inconsistencies in our demeanor, our personalities, our emotions that need to be settled and need help. And we come to this passage of Scripture, we'll begin in verse 18, and we'll introduce with the first few verses, and then have a few points I think will help you to assure your heart. Look at verse 18. The Bible says, my little children. I think those uh, three words are very appropriate to begin this uh, beginning of the Scriptures. My little children. What is God, who is he addressing? He's addressing Christian people. He's addressing you and me, and he's calling us my little children. Why in the world would he do that? Because... In God's eyes, there's no doubt that our fickle emotions are quite childlike. 
How many of you have ever been around a child with somewhat fickle emotions? One minute, everything's happy, happy, happy. And the next minute, the whole world is falling apart. I was around a little girl the other day. Everything was fine until one little something happened, and I don't even know exactly what it was. But all of a sudden, the entire world came to a screeching halt, and she screamed and cried and wailed and hollered, and her mom got mad at her too. My little children, it's appropriate because we're looking here, my little children, my little children with fickle emotions, my little children that get scared about things that really aren't worth being scared over, my little children that are immature, I'll just tell you something, you may not like to hear it, but compared to God, you and I are very immature. My little children. Now listen, class. Now children. I don't think the Lord demeans us, but I think it's very important to often remember how we are and who we are in light of an omniscient God. I don't know everything, but God loves me and cares for me. He says, my little children, well, the Bible continues to say in verse 18, my little children, let us not love in word, neither in tongue. He said, now listen, the evidence of your salvation is that you love others. He says, now look, our love is not to be offered in word and tongue. How many of you ever had somebody tell you, I love you, but you know they don't? Doesn't that make you feel warm and fuzzy all over? I love you, but the next thing you know, they're stabbing you in the back. Uh, Lord, help us not to be that kind of person. What love is not demonstrated by words. Let me tell you something. Your faith in Jesus is not demonstrated by words. I've met lots of people who have really amazing faith talk. But faith talk is not what God is looking for. And it's not the thing that proves that you actually love God and love others. He says, don't love in word and tongue. But we love, the Bible says in verse 18, but in deed and in truth. When I was a teenager, I was introduced to a song. It was titled, Love is a Verb. And one of the lyrics in the song, it said that love was a word that required an action. Make no mistake about it. You can say you love Jesus until you're blue in the face. But if you really love Jesus, it's going to come out in your actions. We don't love in word only, we love in word and deed. Imagine if you told your wife, I love you, I love you, I love you, but you never came home. And so the Lord says, now listen, I want you to understand something. Little children, we don't love, we don't prove our faith, we don't rest in our faith, we don't have a relevant faith in Christ Jesus if it's just in word and tongue. There's a place for word and tongue. We should praise God with our words and our voices. But let me tell you something. If you use Jesus' words and you reject him and neglect him in your actions, you are not fooling anybody but yourself. And you're definitely not fooling God. We should learn. So the writer says, now listen, your love for Christ, your, your faith should not be one that's only shown in words but there should some be there should be deeds and truth to back it up the bible says in verse 19 and hereby we know that we are of the truth and shall assure our hearts before him here's how we know 
That we're of the truth. How do we know that we're of the truth? Because we love in deed and word. And so the word, the actions, is something that produces the assurance. The actions produce the assurance. Now, if you'll stay with me a minute, I promise I'm not going to leave you in the dust. Our actions, our faith deeds, produce assurance and evidence of the truth. The things we do, there are things that we do that will show us that we know the Lord. Now, you'd never work to get saved. You can't. It's impossible. For by grace, you're saved through faith. But if you're saved, you're going to have it in your heart to serve the Lord, to do some things. And even when you don't feel like it, there are things we can do that will help us to gain assurance and reassurance of the faithfulness of God in our lives. He says, here's how we do it. We're going to, verse 19, we know that we are of the truth and shall assure our hearts before him. We assure our hearts. How am I going to assure my heart? How many of you have ever had a fickle heart? How many of you ever had emotions that didn't make any sense? How many of you ever had an emotion that you, it was deep and it was painful, but you found out later that it really wasn't as bad as you thought it might be? How many of you ever had an emotion like that? I have. So the Bible says here in verse number 20, For if our heart condemn us, God is greater than our heart. Now, we're talking about our heart now. Where's our heart? Our heart's not here. The spiritual heart is the core of us, which is our thought life, and it's our emotions. The heart of a man is his emotion, and we're emotional people. Some of us show emotion more than others, uh, but we all have emotions, and our emotions are the weakest part of who we are. And so here's what the Bible wants us to know. The Bible wants us to know in verse number 20, if our heart condemn us, God is greater than our heart. Have you ever felt in your heart that God doesn't love you? Have you ever felt in your heart there's no way that I'm saved? Have you ever felt in your heart? You may have even felt in your heart that I'm not even sure if God exists. Have you ever felt in your heart that perhaps I've been wrong all this time? And I want to confess something to you. Doubt is something that comes into the hearts of all of God's people. And anybody that's got any integrity at all would admit that there have been moments of doubt. And the Bible says if your heart condemns you, if you have this emotion that says, Oh, man, I'm not even sure if I'm saved. Oh, my, I don't even know if God loves me. I don't know how this could happen and God still loves me. If your heart condemns you, what's the next phrase in that verse? It says something very important. If your heart condemns you, God is greater than your heart. Aren't you glad that God is more stable than your emotions? I know I am. God is greater than your heart. It continues. Verse number 21. Beloved. If our heart condemn us not, then have we confidence toward God. So here's the picture. The first picture is if your heart condemns you, man, I don't even know if God exists. I don't even know if God loves I don't know if I'm saved. I don't feel saved. And then the other side of the spectrum is, but if your heart condemns you not, hallelujah. How many of you have ever been here? You say, I know that I know that I know that I know that Jesus is my Savior. Hallelujah. Ha ha ha. 
How many of you had a moment like that? You may have not sounded just like that, but man, it's just the presence of God was real. The faithfulness of God was rich. And how, wow, God's good. How many of you ever been here? Would you raise your hand? Or something like it? How many of you ever been here? Would you raise your hand? How many of you have ever been both places in the same day? What changes? What's the variable? I'll tell you what the variable is not. God never changes. Aren't you glad God never changes? I love to be able to rest in the fact that even though I might be all over the spectrum, God never changes. And the truth of the matter is, God's not over here where he doesn't exist and he doesn't love me and he doesn't want to save me. He's not over there at all. He's actually here all the time, faithful, faithful, faithful. And you can trust him. So the book of 1 John, God sends us a message. He says, look, if your heart condemns you, God's greater than your heart. If your heart doesn't condemn you, praise the Lord. But let's help some folks because there's going to be moments in your Christian life where you find yourself all over the spectrum and there's some things we can anchor ourselves in and can trust in and we can do. It'll help us. How many of you have ever been in a situation where you didn't feel like doing the right thing, but you know that the right thing was the right thing and you did it anyway? And when you finished doing the right thing, when you didn't feel like doing the right thing, you're glad you did the right thing? Somebody write that sentence down. Have you ever been there? There's some things we can do to assure our heart. There's some actions that we can take that will be used of God to prove that he's real. That will be used of God to give us peace. That will be used of God to give us grace. It will be used of God to bring our hearts from a place where we're condemned in our emotion. To the place where we should be. Knowing that God is faithful. Folks, we need to assure our heart. How in the world can I assure my heart? There's three things I'll show you from this text. And they be- work with the word commandment. Over and over, and we'll see it in the next few verses, the word commandment comes up. Commandment, commandment, commandment. A lot of folks hate to hear the word commandment, but let me tell you something. Anytime God makes a commandment, it's not because he wants to put you in bondage to some rule. God makes commandments because he wants to set you free, and he wants to give you something to do that will make your life better. So when God commands it, don't hate that. Love it and thank him that he's given you some rule, something to follow, something to do. It comes with promise. We're to obey God's commandments. God commands us to do things, not because he's a cosmic killjoy. He commands us to do things because he loves us. He wants to protect us. He wants to give us his very best. Don't forget it. How can I assure my heart? What can I do? I'm going to follow God's commandments. I'm going to be obedient. Number one, I'm going to obey and pray. I'm going to obey and pray. The Bible says we're to pray without ceasing. The Bible says we're to be constantly in prayer. Now that doesn't mean you drive down the interstate with your eyes closed. Uh, That doesn't mean that you're constantly on your hands and knees before God in some type of seance sounding prayer. But we are praying people. And I want to talk to you about prayer for a minute because we're to obey and pray. Here's what the scripture says, our text, verse 22. The Bible says, and whatsoever we ask, we receive of him. How many of you hear that verse? You're like, oh boy. (laughs) whatsoever we ask we receive of him 
I'm having trouble with my britches. I, Lord, would you send me some suspenders right now? <laughs> Didn't work. I guess the Bible's not true. Whatsoever we ask of him, we receive him. I'll tell you, there's a lot of people that read that verse and their faith just completely goes out the window. But if you read that verse without its context, you've got a real problem. But I want you to see it because it's so important. We are obeying and praying. We're to obey and pray. We're to obey God. We're in duty to pray. When you get to this moment where you think, oh, man, I don't even know if I'm saved. You know what you need to do? You need to obey God and you need to pray. Here's what it says. Verse 22. And whatsoever we ask, we receive of him, comma, because we keep his commandments and do those things that are pleasing in his sight. That verse all works together. We pray and God hears and answers our prayers. But he hears and answers our prayers when we are obeying him, keeping his commandments, doing what's right. You meet a lot of folks who think that God is some type of a genie in a bottle. God is somebody that if I can ever once get in touch with him, if I can ever once find the secret treasure of the genie in the bottle named Jesus, then surely I can rub the bottle and get my wishes. Surely. And we pray, Lord, give me a new truck. And we pray, Lord... In Jesus' name, right now, I pray that you help me lose 25 pounds and we look and it's not gone. And we pray, Lord, keep this bad thing from happening. And we pray, Lord, help me from having to deal with that. Lord, and we ask God for things. And there's nothing wrong with asking God for things. But let me tell you how prayer really works. Prayer is when we call on the Lord and agree with God and ask God to have His will in our lives. Now, you can pray and ask God to heal, and He does, and it's right. And you can pray and ask God to help, and He does. And you can pray and ask God, but God hears and answers our prayers, but He answers our prayers in His perfect understanding and perfect wisdom, and we can't completely understand it. We're a fickle and emotional. One day we think He loves us, and another moment we don't. And we go, ah! But God is constant. And so how can I be assured in my heart? Will you pray? I want to talk to you about prayer for a minute. Jesus' disciples came to Jesus and said, Master, will you teach us how to pray? He said, sure. A lot of us refer to that prayer as the Lord's Prayer, and I think that's fine. It's probably more accurately called the model prayer because he sets an example and he shows us how to pray. If you want to look at it with me in your Bibles, Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6, and we'll begin in verse number 9. His disciples say, Lord, teach us how to pray. He said, all right. And so he does. If you want to learn how to pray, I think Jesus could probably teach us how to pray, don't you? Here's what he says. Matthew chapter 6, and verse 9. After this manner, therefore, pray ye. Our Father, which art in heaven. The first part of this prayer is... The prayer says, our Father. I'll just know you, don't you know something? Father is a place of authority. It's a son, a child, little children. Father. He says, pray out this manner. 
Father. Just by calling him Father, we admit that he is our authority. And prayer is something that drives us to the place that we know God is our authority. He says, Father, our Father, which art in heaven. And he goes a step further. Father, I'm son. In heaven, I'm on earth. And I'm not saying that God is belittling us, but we have got to get to the place where we acknowledge that God is greater than us. He says, when you pray, he says, Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. God is hallowed. He is holy. He's worthy. He's almighty. And when we pray, we say, Father, I'm your son. You're in heaven. I'm on earth. Hallowed, but you're hallowed, you're holy, you're awesome, you're wonderful, and I'm a sinner. I'm finite, I don't have perfect understanding. Hallowed be thy name. The next phrase is, thy kingdom come. What's the prayer? Jesus says, when you pray, here's how you pray. God, let your kingdom come. Let your work be done. Let your will come. Be accomplished. Thy kingdom come, not my kingdom. You know what we all want to do? We pray trying to build our kingdom. We pray trying to, Lord, give me that that job. Lord, give me that money. Lord, give me that house. Lord, give me that farm. Lord, give me this. Give me that. Give me that. Give me this. But the way we should pray is thy will be done. And if God chooses to give you whatever it is you want, and a lot of the times he gives you the desires of your heart. He always gives you the desires of your heart when your heart's in tune with him. Thy kingdom come. What's the next phrase? Thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. He says, I acknowledge that I can't even provide for myself. And if you're honest, you know that you have to have God. We have to have God. If God were to withhold the rain, we're all sunk. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our debts. I'm a debtor. I'm a sinner. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. I want, I know I should forgive others, but I can't even do that without you, Lord. <laughs> Lead us not into temptation. I'm so tempted to sin. Protect me from that, Lord. But deliver us from evil. Don't let the devil have his way. I need you, Lord. In spiritual matters. I need you in physical matters. I need you, Lord. Here I am, your kingdom. And he says, for thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Now you think about how Jesus just prayed. How Jesus taught his disciples to pray. And the whole thing is about man coming to the place where he acknowledges that he needs God. And you know what? In our nature, we don't want to need God. We want to stand our own two feet. We want to pull ourselves up by our bootstraps. We want our little world to be the most important thing in all the world. But God says, I've got something bigger and better for you. And besides that, I've prepared eternity for you too. Prayer. 
And the Bible says, look, if you want to assure your heart, you need to obey in prayer. We don't always feel like praying. As a matter of fact, a lot of the times I want to do my own thing and be my own man. I want things to go my way. But when I pray, I say, Lord, I really ultimately want things to go your way. And here I am as your servant. Help me. Let me tell you what happens. When we pray and give our lives to the Lord and our hearts to Jesus, we have peace. We have joy. We have assurance that he's faithful. Pray. There's another misconception in praying. This is encouraging to help me as I've studied the last couple weeks. In John chapter number 16, you don't need to turn there, but I'll read it to you. In John chapter number 16, Jesus says something I think is quite interesting. In John chapter 16, verse number 23, he says, Whatsoever ye shall ask the Father in my name, he will give it you. Hitherto have ye asked nothing in my name. Ask and you shall receive, that your joy may be full. So Jesus is speaking here. He says, hey, look, your prayers have not been answered yet because you've not prayed in my name. To this point, you've not prayed in my name. But if you'll pray in my name, then I'll answer you. Isn't that interesting? So here's how we interpret that. <laughs> I got it finally. I've learned the magic word. <laughs> Lord, give me some suspenders in Jesus' name. It didn't work. But I said the magic word. Folks have this idea that if I pray in Jesus' name, and like I just add Jesus' name. Amen. <laughs> Check. I said, hocus pocus, alakazam, bing bada bing, whatever your magic word is. Ask the kids, they know what the magic word is. And Christian people who are looking for some magic potion to take away their burdens instead of rest in the faithfulness of God, they want to add a magic word to their prayers in Jesus' name. But that's not what that means. It's not the magic word. If you pray in Jesus' name, that means you pray in his will. That means he signed it. That means he agrees to that plan. He agrees to what that is. Now, look, when you may be thinking, man, I don't know if I want God to have all this control in my life. I'll just tell you something. You do want God to have all this control in your life because he knows what you need better than you know what you need. He knows what will satisfy you better than you know what will satisfy you. He is smarter than I am. And when we pray in Jesus' name, guess what? We're not praying in Jesus' name magic word. We're praying in the will of the Lord Jesus Christ. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. And we pray. And you know what happens? You know, I spend so much time over here, my heart's condemned me. It's because we forget that God's plan and God's will and God's purpose is so much better than ours. And so we get disappointed when our little things, our little concerns, and even great big concerns don't pan out the way we wanted them to. And we forget that God has a plan that's perfect and full of love and rich, and we can trust Him anyway. And when we pray in obedience, you know what happens? God assures our hearts. God assures our hearts. Now, Lord, you're here. Your heart's condemning you. 
You're doubting even if God may even exist. You're doubting if you've ever been saved. You have serious doubts about whatever it might be in regards to the Lord. You come to this place. It's okay to be there. God loves you there. What do I do? In duty and obedience, I pray. Lord, I don't get it, but I want your will. Lord, I don't understand it, but I know you know best. Lord, I'm brokenhearted, but I know that you can help me. Lord, I don't know what to do. Lord, help me. Lord, I want your will. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as in heaven. And the next thing you know, as you pray in obedience... And you pray even in prayer, in duty, knowing that this is the right thing even though you don't feel like it. The next thing you know, the Holy Ghost will assure your heart. How can I have assurance in my heart? How can I assure my heart? Obey and pray. Number two, how can I have assurance in my heart? Number two, obey and believe. Obey and believe. You know, so often we think that believing on Jesus is a feeling, an emotion. But our faith in Christ goes far deeper than that. And I think it's pretty interesting to see here in our, in our text this morning what the Bible has to say about that. 1 John chapter 3 and verse number 23. And this is his commandment. There's another commandment, right? We were just commanded to pray. Here's another What we're going to be commanded to do this time. And this is his commandment. That we should believe on the name of his son, Jesus Christ. What does God tell us to do? He says, I command you to believe on Jesus Christ. (laughs) Okay. I command you to believe on Jesus Christ. There have been times I remember as a child where my grandfather would say, Cody, what I want you to do is this. And I'm like, Papa, I'm scared. You heard me, boy, do this. But I'm scared. Do it. You can trust me. And I do it. I found I could trust him most of the time. Except for that time I lost my middle. I'm just kidding. <laughs> As a dad, there's been times I've told my boys when they're little, I was like, jump, I'll catch you. I'm scared. I said, jump, I'll catch you. Finally they do, and I catch them. And God says to us, listen, this is my commandment. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. This is my commandment. What does God tell us? If you feel like believing on me today, you believe on me. No. When you find yourself over here, when your heart's condemning you, God's commandment to you is, hey, believe on Jesus. And I'm telling you, this is the sweetest time to begin to believe on Jesus. You're down in the dumps. But you know what God wants you to do? Out of duty and simple obedience, I'm just going to have, I don't know what else to do. I'm going to have to trust the Lord. And I'm going to. Out of duty and obedience, I don't know what to do. I'm going to have to trust the Lord. And you know what I found out? People who down here put their trust in the Lord out of obedience, they obey God and believe that Jesus is the Son of God. The next thing you know, God has lifted their spirits and assured their hearts. Obey and believe. Look at this verse. I think it's so wonderful. Verse 23. This is His commandment. 
that we should believe on the name of his son, Jesus Christ. How many of you have been told you should do something, but you felt like you shouldn't? God says you should. I don't believe on Jesus. Let me tell you what God's word says. You should. I don't believe that God could possibly be working in my life. Well, you should. I don't believe that Jesus is the Savior of the world. Well, you should. Just because you don't believe it doesn't mean it's not right. You should. Folks, if you want to have assurance in your heart, in obedience, believe. God commands us to believe. Isn't that something? I love the prayer of one of the apostles. I believe. Help thou mine unbelief. I believe. Help thou mine unbelief. And you're here and your heart's condemning you. Know, oh man, I have no assurance, no peace. Then in obedience, pray. In obedience, believe. And finally, number three, in obedience, we should love. The Bible says in verse 23, the second half of the verse. This is his commandment that we should believe on the name of his son Jesus Christ and love one another as he gave us commandment. What does he tell us to do? He says, here's another commandment. I've commanded you to pray. I've commanded you to believe. And now I command you to love one another. What should we do? We're to love one another. I'm going to tell you what happens in these moments. In these moments where our heart condemns us. In these moments where our hearts are turned from God. In these seasons, you know what happens? We begin to not love people, but hate people. We begin to be bitter and unforgiving. And I talked in my Sunday school class this morning about the wile of the devil. How the devil, he loves to put imaginations in our minds that cause us to think that people don't love us. That people don't like us. That there's problems that really don't exist. How many of you have ever imagined a problem that really didn't exist? If you don't raise your hand, the truth is it's happened to you and it happens to me. And so what we're tempted to do is to be bitter and angry at people. And what God wants us to do, he says, I want you to love one another. You find yourself here. Your heart's condemning you. You have no assurance of your salvation. You have no peace in your heart with God. You're doubting everything that's right and true. You're going to be tempted to begin to hate other people. But God says, I command you, love one another. Love one another. And when you're in this deep, dark spot, you don't need to say in your heart, the devil's putting your heart someone to hate, someone to blame, someone to disdain and despise. And you need to say to the devil, I know you want me to hate them, but with God's help, I'm going to love them anyway. Satan, I know you want me to hate them, but with God's help, I'm going to love them. God's commanded me to love that person. And I don't know how I'm going to do it. With God's help, I'm going to love With God's help, I'm going to love one another. With God's help, I'm going to love one another. Because he told me, he commanded me. And you know what happens when you begin to just ask the Lord to help you love people and obey his command, the next thing you know, God will lift your spirits from a condemned heart before God to someone who says, hallelujah. Oh, what a Savior. God will assure your heart. Let's look at the last verse of this chapter. Here's the result. 
If you obey and pray, if you obey and believe, if you obey and love, the Lord will help you. Verse 24, here's what he says will happen. He that keepeth his commandments. We've been talking about commandments, right? He that keepeth his commandments dwelleth in him. Guess what happens? When you begin to obey the Lord, not, you've always been in him if you're saved. But you dwell in him and you know him and the fellowship is sweet. He that keeps his commands dwelleth in him and he in him. And hereby we know that he abideth in us by the spirit which he hath given us. You know what God does? When you just obey, and it's hard. In duty, I'm going to obey and pray. In duty, I'm going to obey and believe. In duty, I'm going to obey and love. If you'll do that, God will testify to your spirit, and he'll show you in your spirit that his spirit's with you, and he'll lift your spirit. The next thing you know, you're going to be saying, praise, hallelujah. God is good. God is good. And for all of our Christian life, we're going to have these seasons. But you remember something, the way out of the dump is to obey God. Obey Him. If you obey the Lord, He'll assure your heart. Oh, it's so sweet to know that the Lord loves me. There's a great old song, Blessed Assurance, Jesus is mine. <laughs> oh, what a foretaste of glory divine. <laughs> It's good to know the Lord. You can assure your heart when you obey Him. Obey Him. It's not always easy, but you obey Him and pray. You obey Him and believe. You obey Him and love. And you're going to find out He'll give you assurance that He's your God, that He's your Lord, and He's got this. You can put your trust in Him. Let's pray.